Hello, I'm Leanne Townsend, a family law lawyer and chair of the family law group at Mills and Mills LLP. Welcome to Divorcing Well. In this week's episode, my guest is Carla Pava, and I'm so excited to have her on the show today. I've been a guest on her podcast, and I love her energy. We've connected on social media. She's just somebody that I've always felt a connection with, so it's always nice to have people like that on the show. And one of the reasons I'm especially excited to have her on is that she's going to be sharing her story her divorce story and a little bit of her life story. And I think it is such an inspiring story that it's going to help a lot of listeners to hear what she's been through and how she got to where she is, because it's ultimately a very positive and inspiring story. But Carla certainly had to overcome some challenges and whatnot to get to where she is. So I really appreciate um, you coming on the show today, Carla, to share your story. So welcome. Thank you, Leanne. I really appreciate this opportunity and um, such an honor to be here with you, you know, having the ability to share my journey with everyone out there. My journey uh, started when I came to Canada and I met my father, my biological father at 14. And then um, I was given the opportunity to come to stay in Canada when I was 15 in 1999. So at that point, I didn't really know what was awaiting for me because I did not know any English whatsoever. So it was quite, um, you know, a challenge. But (laughs) yeah, (laughs) but the beauty of it is I always love to challenge myself and I always did volunteer work. At schools, um, I listened to music, I read books, because by the time I was able to go to school, I didn't want to be fully not knowing nothing at all, right? So when I uh, went to school, people would laugh, but then I would laugh with them because I thought, you know what, one day I'm going to uh, be able to overcome this. So while going through school, I thought, you know what? I never really had an issue with um, being on the wrong crowd or anything like that because my main focus was to succeed in school because school for me was like a therapy that I really, it was like my space. And then overcoming the high school when I actually was able to um, uh, finish that journey, I was honored with an achievement award at that time that I was honored with an achievement award. So when you came to Canada, what country did you come from and what what language did you speak? I came from Azores, the islands of Portugal, and uh, we speak uh, Portuguese. Okay, so you came here and you that was the only language that you spoke? That's right. Yeah. (laughs) Portuguese was the language and it is always the language that I speak. But I also had the ability to um, gain Spanish as well while going through school. So in three days, I was able to uh, fluently speak Spanish. So which at the end of my graduation, I was able to have English, Spanish and Portuguese. Wow. um, Yeah. So very impressive. So you graduated and you had really high grades, you mentioned, and you've got all these languages. And so what happened then? 
So what happened is um, while, while I was trying to, um, you know, get my diploma from high school, I was going through my own personal struggles behind the scenes. I did work like for, for jobs, part-time jobs. Wow. Uh, while I tried to uh, finish my grade 12. However, because I was always on the road and uh, with school nonstop, I hit bottom, which was when I was diagnosed with better thalassemia. What so is that? Better thalassemia is when you have like anemia, iron deficiency in your blood. What happened was my body just couldn't hold up anymore, which caused me to. Um, to not be able to have the energy to work. So within that time, I got homeless. I became homeless. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And then I, I had a car, luckily, and I was able to uh, leave in my car. Uh, it was very struggling for me because, especially in the winter times. I had the ability to ask for hot water because that was the only thing that was free at, uh, you know, uh, Tim Hortons and things like that to keep myself warm and still hydrated. Uh, that went on for a while, for, I don't know, three months or four months. So you were, you were living in your car for three or four months? This is like just after high school? While I was... It While was you were so in cool. high school? Yeah, I was still wow. in high school and trying to finish my co-op and my grades. And then when the teachers were telling me, oh, you must come to the graduation because there's an award waiting for you. I was like, an award? Wow, what is this? Like, you know, it was such a thing that to me, it was like, oh, this is a really big deal because I could see other people that were raised and born in Canada, but those individuals didn't get an award and I did. So I understood at that point how important this was. That's amazing. Now, where was your, like when you were homeless and whatnot, where was your biological father? That's another thing. My biological father was living with his wife and uh, his children. When I was living in my car, I did reach out to my father. However, my father he actually has his own issues of addiction and things like that. So he was never really home and uh, his wife didn't want to make decisions for him. I had to wait for him and have a, a you know, conversation with him. However, his only focus was for me to pay him money for me to give my car to him and kind of restrict me of schedules and kind of control me. So I said to him, you know, you kind of owe me money because well, I worked a full summer when I was 16 and I gave you all my money to you and you never really gave me those monies to me. So at this point, uh, you as a father should be actually catering that those needs to me, right? Um, you shouldn't even be asking me for anything in return. However, exactly. I understand. Yeah, I understood that he was so into his bubble and in a toxic mentality that I felt, you know what, this is not going to work. And I just continued in my car. Now, I know at some point you got married. So uh, when would that, that happen in relation to, you know, graduating and this period of living in your car as well? 
within that period, I lived in my car, then I sold the car. And with those monies, I went back home and I stayed back home for the month of December. So that way I could kind of have the ability to stay with my mom um, a little bit to kind of enjoy that moment. Then I came back and when I returned to Canada in the new year, I was um, provided with uh, a seasonal job at Canada's Wonderland, which was really um, a fresh start for me. Then I was able to rent an apartment. After that, I worked. I was always a very like workaholic in a sense that I had two full-time jobs. I worked seven times a week. And then that's when I met my ex-husband. And then I was um, in a marriage for 10 years and I was blessed with two beautiful children. And within that marriage, I felt very caged in and controlled. I did not have a voice and something just in me kind of wanted to uh, be free, free in a sense that I wanted to be myself and give myself that self-love that was missing from that relationship. How long were you married for? For 10 years. Okay. And so you felt in the marriage, you you mentioned that, you know, you didn't feel like you could truly be yourself. Now, was that because of things that your husband was doing or was that just something to do with your own trauma and, you know, where you were in your own healing journey or what was the the reason that you didn't feel you could be yourself in the marriage? Uh, The reason was because he was very controlling financially, especially he always needed to have that control of, um, you know, if I use my credit card right away, he would be on a computer checking why I used it. Where did I go? Why did I go? And then if something, let's say I wanted to go to the store to get some grocery, he would say, oh, don't worry, I'm going to go for you. At times I thought that it was like, okay, he's being nice. But then I understood that it was his way of controlling to keep me inside the house kind of thing. Also, in while married, I tried to tell him, you know, it would be nice if you could make me a, cu- a cup of coffee, you know? You know, when you love someone, you just want to nurture them. Yeah. Uh, it shouldn't be an obligation. So- yeah, and it shouldn't be a, it should be a two-way street or two-way relationship. You know, both people do things for each other, not just one person doing things, you know, for the, the other person. Exactly. So that was missing in our marriage, really, because he was all about, oh, well, if I learn how to cook or how to do this, then I'm basically going to be your slave. Right. And to me, it would be like, okay, is that how you think of me? Am I your slave? Because that's not how I see it. Right. So the last two years of our marriage was a lot about that, of me kind of like understanding and opening it up because I was actually going through counseling at that time. And while going through counseling, because when we were married for 10 years, we did marriage counseling. We did, you know, individual counseling Mm -hmm. uh, because he had uh, jealous issues and things like that. 
And then uh, the last few years of the marriage, I was going through counsel because I felt the need to understand more about my marriage and me as well. And uh, there was something that the counselor asked, what is that Carla wants? I said to her, you know what? Carla just wants to be happy. And through that counseling, I understood that I was very unhappy. And that's where I understood more about the behaviors of the other individual in the um, relationship. It must have been difficult to leave. Uh, So tell us a little bit about that part of things. Funny enough is that before I came up and I said, you know what, I want to divorce. I went back home and I took my little guy with me. And uh, when I was back home, I, uh, I felt free in a sense that I didn't have anyone dictating to me. I did not miss him at all. And that's when I also reborn within my inner spirit self. And I said to myself, wow, you know what? I don't, I'm, I'm not in love with this person anymore. And that's the moment that I knew that upon my return to Canada, I was so determined that I no longer wanted to be in this relationship. It was when I brought it up to him, he was a bit devastated. And it was hard because I, I did not have a job. I was jobless. And from having a home, from having you know the cars and all these things, and actually having to sell the house and uh, deal with separation, deal with divorce, was a new monster that I was dealing with. I call it monster because that's what it felt to me because I didn't understand what it is that I was going into. However, I knew that I had to do it because that was the only way that I could find myself again. What, like what, as a single mom, you've got children, were you, was he paying you child support or spousal support or anything like that? It's funny that you ask me that because there were actually a few mistakes that were done on the part of the person that was dealing uh, with my situation. And um, I just understood those errors a little bit later down the road when I got really involved into the legal uh, world and career. No, he did not uh, provide me with child support. Apparently, the financial side that was provided and also the living and all those things that is provided, apparently, we kind of matched each other kind of thing. However, down the roads, when I was already uh, living on my own, um, providing for my children, we then figured out that I didn't want to take him away from my children. It was very important that he was involved. And my oldest son said that he really wanted to share 50-50 time because he loves his dad and he loves his mom. And for me, I didn't take it as, no, you can't do that. I'm your mom. You know, 
I cannot share you or anything like that. No, the first thing I did was, okay, is that what you want? Is that what makes you happy? Because if it is, that's, that's what I want for you as well. Because to me, I knew that I was making this big decision, but I also wanted my children to feel comfortable and to feel okay. And one of the other things was also changing schools was not an option. I really wanted for them to still have that foundation of kind of like safety net that not everything really drastically changed in their life. That's one of the things that I'm very grateful that because I didn't have the the father relationship, that's one of the things I wanted my children to have. It's very important for them to have. And, um, and then we came up through uh, mediation that it's, we, we will do 50-50 custody. And uh, based on that, we come up also with a plan that we will not provide support to each other whatsoever, regardless the uh, changes of our lives as we go down the road. Well, and it's very, you know, admirable of you as a mother to make, you know, to put your children's interests first and, you know, look at the bigger picture and be mature when your son was saying, you know, that he wanted to, to be with his dad half the time. And, you know, rather than looking at your son as like your property or something that, no, wait a minute, you're going to be with me and, and putting your own kind of ego or interests first, which I see people doing I you know in in the courts I see that happening I've seen clients and opposing parties do that and so I have a lot of respect for parents who are able to take themselves out of the picture and you know focus on what is best for their children so I mean I commend you and your ex-husband for it sounds like you guys were able to do that so that's a really good thing yeah and the other thing was um as they grew things started you know, popping up in a sense that certain behaviors of the father, you know, the kids get bigger, they understand. So now they start understanding, okay, this is why, you know, you guys' marriage didn't work out kind of thing. Yeah. And then we actually had an incident. My oldest is now like, okay, I just want to be with you, mom, because I cannot deal with A, B, and C, right? Yeah. Then it was a conflict because you know, his dad's going to feel devastated because I would if I was in his shoes, right? And then what we did was I just basically we sat down and we had a meeting. This is when the kids are already like older, like basically like a year ago, I would say. We sat down and we, the kids expressed how they felt and how his behavior made them feel. And I was telling him that you know, I, I respect their wishes and I'm willing to help them through whatever that they, makes them happy, right? Yeah. Then he kind of thought about it. He got very upset and that's normal, right? And emotional. Um, and then he spoke to his lawyer and his lawyer said, you know, try to kind of fix the situation as civilized as you could, right? Then... He called and he poured himself and he said he would like to be given the opportunity to go to counseling and to work through his issues along with his child. I support that because I don't want you to walk down the future and regret 
that you didn't. I'm happy he did, and here we are. It's great. We communicate. We uh, um, thank God. You know, we work things through because obviously going back to court and having to deal with the whole uh, situation again. You know, fighting, and it's kind of it would kind of be his wishes against the children's wishes. And as a parent, it's always like torture kind of thing, right? I spoke to my child and I told him, you know, you should give a second opportunity because at the end of the day, you know, life is temporary and I don't want you to move forward in life and, and feel guilty of not have given the opportunity to your father, right? And he agreed with me. And he said that he, based on our conversation, he was willing to give his dad another opportunity. They worked on it and things really end up uh, successful until now. Thank God. Uh, Yeah. Because just the thought of going through uh, court and going through that whole thing, which at the end of the day would have been him against the children's wishes, which would be very, hurtful right yes that would be really hard so that's great that that worked out and that and it's you know to his credit that he was open to doing the counseling because you know some people aren't and you know often I hate to say because a lot men aren't always as open to counseling as women are so you know I guess you have to give him credit that he wanted to do it and that it obviously he did it in a meaningful enough way that it it had a positive impact I think the harder part was that my son was really focused on he didn't want to go back. He didn't want to go back because that's how he felt having to talk to him. And because I didn't grow up with a father, having to talk to him and express how important it is and how certain decisions in our life, we have to really think about it because at the end of the day, this is not a girlfriend boyfriend relationship. It's it's a, a parent relationship that should always you know try to work things out because let's face it, we're all different characters, right? Yeah, for sure. Now, at some point, you ended up in the legal industry. So, how did that come about? While going through my divorce, I felt a little bit threatened. And I felt the need to, to gain knowledge and kind of understand more about where I stood. So within that time, I actually was presented with um, a legal uh, assistant um, opportunity. And I actually embraced it, that opportunity, which led me to go back to school once again to, um, to proceed the paralegal uh, journey. Yeah. So this journey looked to be an emission, like a mission impossible, because I had to still cater to three hats, which were, you know, cater to the full-time employee, being a full-time student, and still catering to my children's needs. And that was really uh, rough. Um, I felt like I was like in a treadmill every day kind of thing, always running, running, running. Uh, However, I succeeded beyond expectations with a lot of awards. And one of them was the uh, Career College of Ontario, which was very, I was really proud of myself. 
Um, and the beauty of it was that I was able to share this journey with my children. I brought them to the uh, graduation. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. You know, while going through that journey, one thing is saying that, okay, guys, this is what mom's going to do. Another thing is, okay, guys, this is really happening. And now we got to get our act together and work together as a team. At times it was challenging and I had to really remind them, why am I doing this? And they were very supportive. And that was very helpful for me. Then while I, um, I completed that journey, I was able to continue to assist to paralegals. And then after that, I did some um, litigation representative uh, work. And here we are. I, um, because of COVID, I went back to school again and I took the um, immigration consultant uh, diploma. I also got some um, other schooling that I did, which is to become a practitioner. Yeah, so it's basically after the divorce, I rebuild myself to a better me, a stronger me, and beyond unbreakable. Oh, that's amazing. And so now you've got um, your paralegal background, you've got your, your taking your energy healing as well. And you're an immigration consultant. And I know you also have a podcast and a book. And um, can you tell listeners a little bit about those? Yes, absolutely. The book, it was so funny. The book came out because I went through, while I graduated um, uh, and becoming, um, getting my paralegal, I actually became a life coach. And then through the life coach journey, then I did um, the book, which that book is actually together with other 21 authors. And I thought it was amazing opportunity because um, it's a great platform to kind of let people know a little bit of my story and of who I am as a person and my background. And plus, I got to share that with other 21 individuals that each chapter is about their life journey. A little What's bit. the name of the book? There's two of them, and I can't really recall at the right now. That's okay, <laughs> but I'm it's sorry. like a, no, no. I mean, it's it's, but it's like when it's a group book of you know where different people are sharing their story. Is that that's essentially what it is? And you know, it's everyone's got an inspiring story that the readers are able to, you know, in, read and, and um, learn, I guess, pick up on their life lessons and be inspired by. Yeah, it's just both of them have, it's like volume one, the other one, volume two, and they're totally different uh, names. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I find it a little bit challenging to say the, the names unless I have it written somewhere. And I know uh, you have your own podcast because I've been on it. What's the name of your podcast? So the podcast is Speak Your Mind, the podcast. That one raised from, uh, from an experience that I had that I got very devastated uh, through a failure that I went through, uh, a test that I did, and I did not did, like, I passed, but I didn't pass for the expectations of the institution that I wanted to go forward with. And I really 
felt like shattered because I really wanted that so bad. But then from that experience, one day I was sitting in a sofa and this kind of like, I call it my guide voice, kind of like shouted and said, speak your mind. And I'm like, okay, what am I going to do with this? And kind of helped me and guided me. Okay, this is what you have to do. Uh, You got to go here, do this and that. And I'm like, okay, but then how will this work? Obviously, we all have a little bit of um, fear when we try something new, right? But the beauty of it is I didn't allow that to be a barrier. I still went out there. I found that being gifted with healing others karmologically is such an impact for many worldwide. Like I'm so passionate of what I do that it doesn't matter what time I have to connect with the other individual because they're on the other side of the world. And I love it because people, uh, it's a platform where people actually uh, have the ability to share their inspirational story like yourself um, to the world and, uh, and allow others to connect and see that they're not alone. Yeah, that's, that's so amazing. And I know the experience I had on it was wonderful. It was like, it's almost like partially a healing experience as well as, you know, one of sharing your story. That's what I love to do is because I have the healing background, energy healing backgrounds, I really love to connect with people, not, you know, as like an interview or anything like that. I really love to bring the trauma from the childhood and, uh, and let's walk together and share your story to the world and let's heal together because, you know, healing is very important. And sometimes we got to check in with ourselves and allow ourselves to love ourselves even more deep. Right. Yep. That's very true. Now, if listeners would like to work with you or learn more about you, how can they find you? They can find me on Instagram. Um, I have my bio there. They can also go to, I I am partners with the Holistic Center, which is Delza Energy Healing Center. There's a website out there as well. But mainly, I would say um, through Instagram. Because I can actually text and connect and take it from there. Well, thank you so much, Carla, for coming on my podcast and sharing your story. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Leanne. I'm like, I feel so blessed and I really appreciate your time for uh, taking this opportunity to allow me to share my story on your podcast. And thank you to my listeners. Please like, review, subscribe and tune in each week. I'll see you next week on Divorcing Well. Hi, my name is Janet Finaki, and I'm the host of the Resilient People podcast. I interview regular people from around the world who've experienced something major in their lives, bounced back, and found a purpose in helping others be resilient too. They're folks like you and me, and their stories are totally relatable, extraordinary, and inspiring. I had no idea what I could do until I did it. But it's the motivation of doing for other people that you know need support, need help, that you're able to really push and dig and find what you can do. Have an open discussion and not write us off and allow us to actually talk about our disability. Like, don't assume my limits Mm -hmm. for me. We went for a drive 
told her what her mom was going through and what the likely outcome is going to happen. And we both just bawled. And then finally, Kate just said that we need to have hope. And to be resilient, you have to, you have, to have hope. Join me as we get to know some incredibly resilient people. The Resilient People Podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Thank you for joining me on Divorcing Well. If you have any separation or divorce questions, you can get in touch with me via my website at www.leannetownsend.ca.